0: Well, and while you have your Bibles open, keep turning backward toward Luke's Gospel in chapter 3 this morning. We began last Sunday looking at some of the stories of the Epiphany season. And so one of the great stories of Epiphany is the coming of the wise men, the Magi, to worship the Christ child. The word Epiphany means manifestation or appearance. So what are those ways that God is showing himself through the life and ministry of Jesus? So the nations of the world come and worship the Christ child as symbolized by the Magi. And then another story of the epiphany season is Jesus' first miracle that he does in John chapter 2, turning the water into wine at the wedding feast at Cana. We'll look at that next Sunday. But today we're going to look at this second story of the Epiphany season, and it's called the baptism of Jesus. And in fact, today uh, is known also as the baptism of the Lord Sunday. So let's read the uh, text as, um, as the writer of Luke gives it to us, beginning with verse 15. The people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Christ or the Messiah. John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I will come, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And with many other words, John exhorted the people and preached the good news to them. Now in the next couple of verses, we read about this conflict that uh, John has with Herod, and Herod throws him into prison. So down in verse 21, when all the people were being baptized, now Luke's... Gospel doesn't explicitly tell us that John, unlike Mark and Matthew, that John baptized Jesus. It may well have been, according to Luke, that he's in prison by this point. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. Sisters and brothers in Christ, this is the word of the Lord, and together let us say, thanks be to God. Well, it for me was a moment that you just kind of dream about. And When you get there, you kind of pinch yourself because you don't really expect to be in this place at this time, but you know you're there, and you just can't believe it. I remember the water had a chill to it, and when I first walked in and started moving, I could feel some little fish nibbling at the edge of my ankles and my feet. But once I got in and got up to my waist, the chill left, and all of my focus began to be on the 32 of us who had waded into the Jordan River in Israel for a baptismal reaffirmation service. It took place on November the 1st, 2014, 32 folks from Oakmont. and Some people went in, as I did, all the way up to their waist. Some went up in, just took their shoes off and rolled up their pant legs and went up to their knees. Some just went in on their ankles and a few kept their shoes on and stayed just on the edge of the water. And Regardless of their position, it didn't matter. We were there at the Jordan River where Jesus had been baptized. We did not do uh, re-baptism of people that day, but we reaffirmed our baptismal promises. We read scripture. We renewed the promises that we had made to God uh, for many of us many years ago. We prayed together as we stood in the River Jordan. And I remember taking some of that River Jordan water at the very end, and one by one, people came to me, and I took some of that water and made the sign of the cross on their forehead. And I said something along the This line to them, remember your baptism. Remember your baptism today. And then, like we do here at Oakmont following a baptismal service, we sang Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. It really was. I I just can't begin to tell you unless you were there in one of those. 32 I just can't begin to tell you what a holy moment it was To stand in that same river where Jesus was baptized to recall the promises and the commitments That we all had made in a previous place of water at our own moments of baptism For many of us many years ago when we made the decision to follow Jesus You know it's not uncommon to find in the history of the Bible and certainly in the history of 2,000 years of the church, it's not uncommon to find that people in the scriptures or in the church through the years who have had great faith and trust in God are also people who at times experience doubt and they experience despair and they experience unworthiness. One of those persons in the history of the church who experienced all of those emotions is the great Protestant reformer Martin Luther. To combat his sense of unworthiness, Luther kept a sign over his desk, and it read, Remember, you have been baptized. Whenever Luther would have some of those times in his day when he felt unworthy, when he felt depressed or in despair, he would look over at his desk, and he would touch his head. And he would say to himself, Remember, Martin, you have been baptized. You know, significant first things happen to us throughout all of our life that that we never fully live into or never fully follow through on. You know, a lot of us take swimming lessons. We remember the first swimming lessons that we have. Some of us are able to remember the college or high school or graduate degree graduations that we had many years ago. Some of you remember the first time you voted in the local or state or national elections. Some of you may well remember that moment when you became a parent for the first time. Or you remember your wedding vows that took place. You remember that wedding. Maybe you remember the first full-time job that you ever had but you know the real question is not hey i remember these first events but the real question is what did you learn from it and are you living into it right now because you see the fact is there are a lot of people who take swimming lessons but they never swim the rest of their life there are a lot of people who officially get degrees and then they never use what they learned in that particular degree work there are a lot of people who say i do at the altar but i won't carries the day in their marriage there's a lot of people who birth a child but they never do those things required to raise a child there are a lot of folks who end up working a career of 30 35 40 years but they retire not with 40 years of experience, but with one year of experience lived over 40 different times. It's not what you remember from the first events of your life. It's how are you living into it right now. Remember, said Luther's son, you have been baptized. Being baptized and following Jesus means something. So act like it and live into it. If you read this story about Jesus' baptism in Luke chapter 3, I think it tells us some things that we ought to take from our baptism, from our first decision to follow Jesus. We ought to take it with us into life. Let's kind of review what it says happened to Jesus. The text says that Jesus is praying. The text says that the heavens are opened. The text says that the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus. Now this is a quote in bodily form like a dove. And then the text says that Jesus hears a voice. And the voice says, This is my Son whom I love, with whom I am with you I am well pleased. So let's kind of unpack some of this for a moment. First of all, the text says that Jesus is praying at his baptism. And we know that prayer continues to be a big part of Jesus' life. It continues to be a part of the conversation that Jesus has with his heavenly Father throughout his relationship. If you read the, the Gospel of Luke and the second volume, which is Acts, you see that one of the themes of Luke and Acts is prayer. Jesus is always at prayer. He prays before significant events in his life. He prays at his temptation. He prays before he selects his disciples. The early church in Acts is a praying church. God, I think, welcomes a lifetime where you and I spend time not only talking to God, but listening to his voice. I heard a great definition of prayer one time. It says prayer is talking to God about what we're doing together, what he and I are doing together. That's what prayer is. And a big part of prayer is not just talking to God, it really is listening to God. And I'm just kind of curious this morning, do you really believe that God can speak to you and you can hear him? Do you believe that? Can you, can you think back of moments in your life when you know that the voice of God has spoken to you I just finished teaching a class back in the fall, about 15, 16 of us, called Hearing God by Dallas Willard. Developing a conversational relationship with God is the subtitle. And he spends a lot of time talking about how we can know God's will for us and how we can know those moments when he's speaking to us. One of the things that Jesus models for us in his life, beginning at his baptism, is that he talks to God and God speaks to him. So part of living into our baptism and not just taking swimming lessons and never swimming again, not just taking marriage vows and then not following through on them, not just birthing a child, but never raising that child, part of living into your baptism means that you take seriously Talking to God about what you and he are doing together and listening to them. Is that happening in your life? Are you living into your baptism in that way? The second thing the text tells us is that Jesus is praying and the heavens open. The heavens open. Now I need to tell you a little something about where heaven is, biblically speaking. First of all, heaven is God's space, and the Hebrew people believed that the heavens were located in the air and in the atmosphere around us. That's where heaven is. Heaven is not a million light years away on the other side of the universe. That's why Jesus could say in his coming that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's right here among you. I have come to initiate it and to show you that it's right here among you. and You've never realized that before. There are some things that haven't changed over 2,000 years. There are a lot of us that don't realize that the heavens, the spiritual world, is real, it's alive, and it's right around us. The veil is thin between the heavens and the earth. And Jesus had that type of spiritual insight. His radar was up and running in such a way that when the text says the heavens opened, that was a reality for Jesus. He, he saw the glimpse into the heavens that you and I often miss. So When you live into your baptism, when you live into authentically following Jesus, you're in that prayerful mode, you're talking to God, you're listening to God, and suddenly God starts to sensitize your radar system such that you start seeing those places in the world where God is at work. You start seeing people that you didn't ever realize before that God uses in his work. The heavens open up, and you see things you never saw before spiritually. It's an amazing thing when you live into your baptism, when you make prayer. And by the way, prayer doesn't have to be when you close your eyes and get on your knees, although there's nothing wrong with that. I do more praying in the car than probably any other location. Occasionally, I do watch where I'm going, too, and I hope you will, but I do a lot of prayer in the car. Sometimes when I walk, I pray, when I exercise. You can can pray anywhere you are and open yourself up to the presence of God, And, and when you do that, the heavens will open, and you'll start to see things spiritually you've never seen before. Now the text next says, Jesus is praying, the heavens open, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. I think that was Luke's way of saying it, it just wasn't something that the people imagined. They saw some physicality, some material happening that indicated to them that Jesus was being filled with the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus was fully god but he was fully a man, and he needed to empty himself out and to allow the Holy Spirit to fill him, to equip him to become the spiritual source for everything that Jesus did. And when you live into your baptism, you start learning how to empty yourself out. You know, you take a bottle, a container, a soft drink can, and pour half of it out, and you try to put something else in, and you only get half in if you only pour it half out. If you want all of God's Holy Spirit, you have to drain yourself out and, la- and allow the fullness of God's Spirit to come to you. You know, Paul writes in Ephesians five eighteen, be filled, be filled with the Spirit. He's not talking about a partial filling. You need to drain yourself out totally so that God can fully fill you with that spirit. And when you do that, you have the same access to that power source that Jesus had that enabled him to live a life fully devoted to God, that enabled him to overcome the challenges and, and to live into the opportunities, that enabled him to suffer, that enabled him to go to the cross and to die for you and for me. Jesus didn't do it on his own power. He did it based on the filling of the Holy Spirit. So if you want to live a fully devoted life to God, and I just ask you that question this morning, are you? Are you living that fully devoted life to God? If you want to, you can't do it by yourself. You can only do it as you drain yourself out, open yourself up to the Spirit. Have you got some challenge or problem in your life that you're facing? You're not going to be able to face it unless you have the power of the Holy Spirit. Is there some type of suffering that you're going through physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, relationally? Some difficulties you're facing? You're not going to be able to face them anymore and overcome them anymore than Jesus did unless you've got the spirit so that's the third thing that Jesus did to live into his baptism he not only continued a life of prayer he not only continued to see the heavens open and God in his fullness revealed but Jesus lived in the power of the spirit and you can't live into your baptism unless you do that either but there's the last thing that we see that happens in this text it says that Jesus' Jesus's baptism he hears God's voice calling him his beloved child, his son. And you know, baptism reminds us, it reminds you and it reminds me that we are God's beloved children. We are God's beloved children. God made you, God sustained you, God loves you dearly as a parent loves a child. Now, if, if you're a parent... You just think about how much you love your child. If you're a grandparent, you think about those little grandchildren, how much you love them. If you're an aunt or an uncle and you have a niece or nieces or nephews that are so special to you, or let's just say you're a teacher or you have some relationship with some child, and, and your heart has just been filled with this love and this fondness for that child. You just think for a moment about how much you love a child, a grandchild, niece, nephew, some other person. And you just get a small glimpse of how much God loves you. I want to remind you this morning that you are God's beloved children. The most important thing you've got to decide is you don't ever have to doubt if you're God's beloved child. The thing you do have to worry about a little bit and work on is, are you someone with whom he is well pleased? See, Jesus got a check mark on both of those. He was God's beloved son, and with you, I am well pleased, God said. How about you this morning as you start 2019? As you look over your life and you examine it, is it one that God can say of you, I am well pleased with how you talk, with how you act, with your spirit, with your heart, with how you use your time and your energy. Is God well pleased with you this morning? You know, there are a lot of people who want to be rebaptized. They they say, you know, I didn't understand what I was doing years ago when I was eight or nine years old, or twelve or thirteen or 18 or 19, or in my 20s. I, I just didn't understand it like I understand it now. Or there are some people who want to be rebaptized because they say, you know, I know I'm not taking my baptism and its truth into my life, so I, I, I want to be rebaptized. But you know, I, I got to tell you, I'm not sure that I fully understood what I was doing 40 years ago when I said to Leslie that I would take her to be my wife and I'm fairly certain she didn't know what she was getting into either when she said she would take me to be her husband. She had no earthly idea and if she had, I'm afraid the answer might have been no. So I'm grateful she didn't know fully what she was getting into. But you know what? I don't remarry her. I don't remarry her every time I grow in my understanding of what marriage entails, and I don't remarry her every time my love deepens for her, but you know what I do often do? I look at this ring. I look at this wedding ring, and I remember the vows and promises I made to her on that hot August day of 1978. And that's what Martin Luther meant. When he looked at his sign that said, Remember, you have been baptized. Act like it and live into it. Remember, you have been baptized. You know, just as this ring, I look at it and it reminds me that I made vows and promises of love and faithfulness and commitment to my wife and she made the same vows to me. So when I think of my baptism, I am reminded of the promises and the vows and the commitment that I made to Jesus. Even if I didn't understand fully what I was doing in the moment, I still remember it. Remember, you have been baptized. If you're a follower after Jesus... But you're not feeling that closeness to Him today. You can change things up if you want to. You can say to God, "God, I am remembering the promises and the commitments and the vows that I made to you, and I remember the promises you make to me. I remember my baptism today." You know, years ago, this has probably been 25 years ago, and I, <clears throat> I've told this story before, but it's, it's such to me such a precious story. We had a little girl in our church 25 years ago, and on Wednesday nights, during the Wednesday night supper, I'd be getting my fork and my knife and my napkin and my cup and had my plate in my hand to go to the table to eat. I'd feel this tug on the back of my coat or the back of my shirt, and it was Carla, Turn around, and say, "Hey, Carla." She's six or seven years old. I'd say, "Hey, Carla, how you doing?" She'd say, "Pastor Greg, I want to be baptized." I'll never forget that. I want to be baptized. I'd say, "Well, Carla, I think that's wonderful that you want to be baptized." And you know, we need to talk about that sometime because. The most important thing, Carla, is I want you to come to know Jesus, and I want you to make him your Savior and your Lord. So let's get your mom and dad to bring you by here one afternoon after school so we can talk about how you can come to know Jesus. And she'd shake her head and smile, and off she'd go. Next Wednesday night, I'd be in the line doing the same thing. I'd feel the same tug on the back. I'd turn around. It was Carla. Pastor Greg, I wanted to be puppetized. We'd have the exact same conversation. I'd kind of bend down on my knees. Carla, I think that's wonderful. I want you to be baptized too, but I think you need to think about accepting Jesus and following Jesus, and we need to let, you know, get you into the office. Let's you and I talk about that a little bit. I bet you that happened over about a two or three months period of time, seven or eight, nine, ten times. I get that tug on the back of that shirt. Well, you know, Carla's family moved before we could have that conversation. And you know, one of the things that I would would have wanted to help her understand, and a lot of children, because they're so, so much of their concrete thinkers, they might not know, is that there is a difference between being baptized and church membership and following Jesus. And while I think baptism is so important, if I have to make a choice, I'd rather you follow Jesus than be baptized. But baptism is like that ring. You look at it, and it says... I have a special love for Jesus and he has a special love for me. Just like your wedding ring may say that to you. You know, Carla, is my guess, is now in her early or mid-30s. And I hope and pray that she has made that decision to follow Jesus and I hope and pray that she was baptized and I hope and pray that she has lived into her baptism. I hope and pray that prayer is a part of her life. I hope And pray that the heavens have opened for her and she sees places where God is at work. I hope that God, because she has allowed it and asked for it, has filled her with his Holy Spirit. And I hope she knows that she is God's beloved child. That's my prayer for Carla. And that's my prayer for you this morning too.